time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. What do you think, Blankers, is the, um, you want to go 1 to 10, 1 to 100? Let Joe call it. He's the puppeteer. One to 10 one, are we going to go 1 to 10, 1 to 100? 100. All right, 1 to 100. What do you think, 100 being the hottest, 1% being the coldest, what do you think the Casario hot seat is? Ooh, uh, 65%. Okay. 60, or 65. Um, The reason being the trade. Fair enough. The trade in Kenyon Green, I Big think. Big trade. It's a bold trade. It's a massive trade. His reputation, his career, his resume on the line. And you and I said this from the time it was made. The ramifications won't be felt or fully known for at least a year or so. Yeah. However, he could face sudden death or he could face other ramifications before we even get the full who won the trade thing. And it, it was a very ballsy move to make. And at the same time, when you look at it at, the, at a time when people were questioning his first-round picks the year before and some of the things that he's done previous to that, it kind of ramps it up to where it's not 50-50 anymore. I said last year, if in a year's time we're in a similar situation and we're sitting here having similar discussions about Nick Casario, it's not only going to be in the hot seat, he's probably not going to have a job. So yeah. I think it's got to be over 50%. I'll start the season at 65. I, I have it lower than you because I think that the, the D'Amico hiring and the fact that they kept Casario like, makes him a tandem. So even though Casario is entering his third year, I, I really think that they view it as like his first year because it presses the reset on D'Amico. And plus the job that he inherited I, I don't think was fantastic. True. You had to you, – you, I mean, your organization was at rock bottom. Did Nick Casario make some missteps along the way? Yes, he absolutely did. I think we were critical of Nick Casario before other people were being critical of Nick Casario. Right. Talking about he never won trades, et cetera, et cetera. And then people slowly came around. Never wrong, just always early. Um, now, D'Amico Ryans, what would you say is that, Joe? I'm gonna call right down the middle. Fifty. Give me a fifty. What do we have? What do we think the fan base has it at? Nick Casario's hot seat. The pulse like of the Texans. I, I, I don't. I, I really? don't think. It, I don't think anybody's. I don't think he huh. I, I, until like week two or three. I don't think he has. Uh, I don't think his approval rating is below fifty percent. Okay, so you think the fan base is overwhelmingly yeah. okay with him? Who is the one caller so that always calls us that doesn't that hates Casario? I can't remember his name. Because oh, it's um, I know who Gary. Gary, yeah. Gary hates Casario. Because the fan base is really excited about C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So they kind of have these blinders on uh-huh. where they're not necessarily, not everyone, but some of them have blinders on where like they're not thinking about the, you know, if the Texans have the, the second pick this year, it means Arizona could get one and two kind of a thing. But they see two franchise cornerstone players. Everyone always buys into a franchise quarterback, yep. even if they've never watched a game of college football. So I think people kind of have blinders on, and Casario, like, for the fan base, is in a good spot. The excitement level might be a But when do you think that could change? Because I said week two or three. Week two or three, if things aren't looking good and Kenyon Green's getting run over and there's a lot of issues with some of the with guys he drafted or, you know, there's other issues – I think he could face some heat real quick because you guys are right. We all talked about this. D'Amico is untouchable right now. He's in a great spot. And he's going to be there for the foreseeable future, and, and he is beloved. But I think, Nick, it could go either way real quick. D'Amico was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, which is it's interesting that they, they make D'Amico available to all these national media guys and never available outside of press conferences to, to local uh, people, which is kind of weird. You because, know, we're out. 
like I understand it for like college sports because you're trying to like grow the brand. Like you're trying if you're the head coach at USC, like it makes sense to go on McAfee. You grow the brand. You bring attention to your university. Maybe it's a recruiting tool. National yeah. national exposure for it's a great for a, recruiting or geographical. You know, like a wet in your case, yeah. the scenario a West Coast team gets national exposure. Even anybody, but like especially West Coast because it brings exposure. I think it's a recruiting tool. NFL, like, are you really gaining anything by having Houston Texans exposed to national guys? Not really. Yeah, my favorite is when they say like, I don't know, like two days after D'Amico's hired. Yeah, man, like we'll get him on your station yeah. for like two or three weeks, and uh, it's been I don't know how long since. What is there yeah, to gain? You know the flagship, what is there to gain? The flagship's not going to allow. No, that. no, no. I mean, what is there to gain doing nationally? Because, like, I think there's more to gain locally than nationally. If D'Amico Ryans came on our station, it's like, oh, this is going to be a different line of questioning. I think it would create a lot more buzz and PR. might not always be positive. I think it would for D'Amico. might not be for Bill O'Brien or David Cully or Lovey Smith. But national is what? I think that the only th- – I think it's safe, honestly. Yeah, but I think it's this. safe. Let me tell you this. The contracts, the way they're written, and specifically because of the fact of what you're talking about, and I've been involved in these contracts. It's written that says we have we have exclusivity in the Houston market on a radio basis for everything Houston Texans or Houston Rockets or Houston Astros. I don't think that's the case. I know it is for the Rockets. I don't think that's the case with the for the Texans. Rockets. I know, and Joe, you probably have some experience with this now too. But the the fact is is that it was negotiated, and I had to get in the middle of it when. Any other station in the market other than the flagship got to go live at a press conference or got an interview. And if, if like, Daryl used to just randomly in his car, if he got a call from another station, you know, he loved doing interviews so much that he would just say, sure, and start doing it. And before he even answered the first question, I was getting a call from the PD of our flagship going, what the hell is he doing? He can't do that. Yeah, I mean, there's other NFL markets where the yeah, coach I mean, we'll, goes on, like, the rival station. Yeah, every, well, yeah, and we'll they get, sign we'll their get, own individual deals. That's how we'll the contracts are. On, We've had but, players on. Yeah, we'll get players on this this season. Now, I don't think that they have the exclusivity, uh, for however you say that it, word. It, it, exclusivity. exclusivity is, it's all a derivative of how the contract is written. Because some of the teams just say, as long as we get the money, especially in an NFL situation, as long as you're paying us boatloads of cash, we're going to allow our coach and our top players and maybe some of our not top players. If they want to make their own exclusive deals for their own benefit to have their own shows on whatever station, so be it. But I know specifically in Houston when it was with the Rockets, the Rockets were like, we're going to give you a coach's show, a general manager's show, a Matt Bullard show, a this show, a that show. And oh, by the way, we're going to give you the exclusivity you want. No other station in the in the market can get these guys. Anyways, D'Amico went on with Pat McAfee. D'Amico went on with Pat McAfee. And uh, D'Amico Ryans, I, I found, like, D'Amico was not asked about Nick Casario. D'Amico was not asked about the GM. D'Amico was asked about being new to the job, being on the job for the first time. And this is where D'Amico took it. We are trying to attack every day, everything every day. Like, we are attacking this to win. I know there's oh, no, some guys no, who have no, to grow no, and no, develop. Nope, 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 nope. That's not the one. That's not the starts one. with. You know, the GM having Nick Casario on my side and being able to work in tandem with him has really been a a huge help for me, right? Wouldn't have wanted to go anywhere else, right? To have a guy with the experience that Nick has had, it's really provided me like a lot of comfort in handling his position and also. Look, I understand if D'Amico was asked about Casario, that's going to be his answer. Political correctness, you got to say that about your general manager. D'Amico was asked about being the first year on the job, and his immediate response was, I'm so glad I have Nick Casario. He's been a huge help to me. Nick Casario's seat is ice cold. 
Nick Casario's going nowhere. D'Amico Ryan seemingly, look, he was not asked about Casario. He went there on his own. D'Amico speaking glowingly about Nick Casario unwarranted. Nick Casario's here to stay. He's safe. He He's bulletproof as long as D'Amico's here. See, I don't know. The only thing I would say to that is it sounded almost as if D'Amico had some, someone coached him up on that. Why would he even bring Nick Casario up whenever he's asked, how's it going in year one? I think because he could have been coached up. I think that because... Why? I mean, if he doesn't dislike him, it, again, when you start working with some of these these outside people that are brought in for media training and other things or just imaging for the organization, there might be internally some of the things we talked about. There might be a feeling that Nick's got a pretty bad rep right now with a lot of people. But nobody asked him about Nick. Like right. Greg, Greg's saying the same thing. Honestly, what is he supposed to say? Why would he bring up Nick Casario? But, but he I'm doesn't trying to need answer to bring you, up Jeremy. Nick Casario. The, the thing is, is that it, 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 these things happen when they're forced to happen or when they're recommended to happen by someone else that even when you're not asked about it, you get into the conversation. I don't think that's what's going on here. Well, okay. they're, 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 well, I'm just think, telling you, you I've think seen the, it happen. The Texans PR is telling D'Amico Ryan before he goes on with McAfee, hey, make sure you say nice things about Nick Casario. No. It doesn't have to be Texans PR. When we had media trainers. Then who would it be? Well, it's like, for instance, when Daryl was in a position where he was his image was not so great and, and Daryl was out there doing a lot of things that was pissing people off. We had a media trainer that was talking to some of our guys that were doing interviews and things that – was kind of encouraging, hey, when you get a chance, coach up or talk up, you know, Daryl, and talk up the job that the basketball side has done this year. And and you go through those kind of experiences because you utilize, you capitalize on the fact you're getting an opportunity, in this case a national opportunity, to sing the praises of whoever you want, what's whether the, you're asked about it or not. What's the game? I think the gain is that this is a new day of Houston Texans football. But then why don't you just go with the Miko effect? Why would you bring up a general manager who's already been here for two years? It doesn't make any sense. There's no gain here to talk up Nick Casario unwarranted. I, I, okay. I, I think that this is one of – I'm just trying to answer for you how I think it could happen. And I think that in the case of Nick looking like a lot of people you, having It's not how it could happen. You think it happened or not? I think it, the, the, it sounds forced. If it sounds forced, then if it, to me, if it sounds forced, and to your point, the fact that he wasn't directly asked about Nick, right? I think someone could get in his ear. I just don't know why anybody's going to be like, hey, D'Amico, make sure you're talking up Nick when the whole like build of this like marketing element's been the D'Amico effect and Swarm and Iron Sharpens Iron. Like They want it to be away from the front office and be on D'Amico Ryans. Like, D'Amico Ryans is the face, the face of the organization. Nick Casario had been the face the last two years, and now they wanted to flip it to where it's now D'Amico, yet... Some marketing people are telling D'Amico, make sure you talk up Nick. That makes no sense. It does make sense because when you look at the image of the organization and what Easterby brought was the black cloud that would never go away and it was all negative. Then you would ignore it. You would ignore the front office and say, look at D'Amico. Again, when you're talking about the negativity from Cal to Easterby to the overall front office, the fact that this new day dawning of Houston Texans football, sure, it, it starts with D'Amico. Sure, he's the centerpiece now. Sure, he's the front guy. But it should, they're, they're trying to make sure that it's a, a broad-stroking brush that says the whole organization is different and it's all positive now. So if you can talk up Nick, talk up Nick. If you can talk up Cal, maybe that's a point in time coming you talk up Cal. But it's not far-fetched to say that that isn't part of the way that the marketing approach is when you bring someone from the outside in. I think it's insane. One one eight five. maybe he likes Casario and he fills on the hot seat and he's trying to help him. Look, I think that that's too. in play, but that goes to the original take. Nick Casario's hot seat is not hot. D'Amico Ryans likes him. The McNairs kept him when they could have had a natural separation and split with Nick Casario. Whatever you think Nick Casario's hot seat percentage is, just subtract 20%. 
because D'Amico loves Nick, or in, in, even in your even in your theory, which I, I don't agree with, but even in your theory, you have people within the Houston Texans that are saying defend Nick. So, like, even the, the all-encompassing take, your theory, my theory, they're protecting Nick. So it goes to show you that the hot seat for Nick is non-existent. Well, and I think it's it's similar to the Easterby situation. If Cal likes you or if someone likes you, they they their loyalty runs pretty thick, and it has to take a lot for them to make a change. From O'Brien to Easterby to other people, I, I think that there's probably a pretty devout loyalty between the McNairs and Nick Casario right now. And if D'Amico... You could tell if there wasn't a harmonious relationship between D'Amico and Nick, because a lot of times when the coaches are told to do that, they just pass on it and go, I'm not doing that. See, that's, Greg says he's not going to bash him on a national show. He was not asked about Nick Casario. He what, Pat McAfee didn't say, D'Amico, what's your relationship like with Nick Casario? Because you're right. Nick D'Amico would have said the answer that, he, that we just played. But whenever he's not asked at all about Nick Casario, he's asked, hey, how is it going in year one as a head coach? Well, I love the relationship I have with Nick Casario. He went out of his way to say good things about Nick Casario. He wasn't asked directly about Nick. So if it's Blanker's theory, if it's my theory, either way, they're protecting Nick Casario and this whole hot seat conversation with Nick Casario, non-existent. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. D'Amico also had a response on McAfee, which kind of goes to the thing we've been talking about, the theme of the 2023 Houston Texans, where it's all about developing young players. D'Amico Ryans, yesterday on McAfee, it's not about developing young players. It's about wins. Also, Eric Mangini has a scenario question for Davis Mills to start? That can't be real, right? Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Jay Bardem just uh, dropped off lunch, and it is, uh, I've already had a few bites of this because I love this. It's very good. They dropped off a half pound smoked brisket burger, and it is as good as it sounds. The It's ground in-house using their their brisket trimmings. Cold smoke to give it a smoke flavor. Love smoke flavor on my meat. Uh, the smoke burger, they, they have it every night for dinner, during the day as well, uh, every Wednesday. It's rated one of the top burgers in Houston. And after having a, three bites of this smoked brisket burger, it is fantastic. It is delicious. It is outstanding. They got the uh, the crispy onion. They got the crispy onions on top of On the it. top. The fries are outstanding. Fries are very good. They, they, are very they good. do food right over at JBRM. JBRM's on the on the come up though. They were uh, recently named Texas Monthly's top twenty five list too. So stop on uh, JBRM out in uh, Edo. They have a full parking lot as well, which you can't find that these days. Backdrop of the city of Houston. It's a great spot. Uh, also, a barbecue feast Tuesday through Sunday, or try the Houston Restaurant Week's dinner brunch menus now through September fourteenth. Uh, outstanding spot. Very good. They they bring us. Food all the time. It's always delicious. Whether it's the brisket, the ribs, the brisket tacos, and now today bringing us one of the best burgers in Houston, the half-pound smoked brisket burger. Can I can I just, just on that last segment, just one thing that I want to make clear so people understand, and it depends on the organization. 
But I was a part of an organization, and there are other organizations that not only have a PR staff for. Did the you play- work with the Rockets? Yeah. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying. But and I worked for the Blazers, and I worked for CBA slash G League teams and other teams too. But the fact is, some teams are more cognizant of others. When we talk about like when analytics came in, and now suddenly there was a different angle that that basketball and baseball and football sides needed to pay attention to. Well, from a business perspective, you have a PR department for the actual. The players, the players, and the PR from the games perspective. Well, the Rockets hired a business PR person. They had a couple of them, and the business PR people were in charge of. And in order to earn their salary, and sometimes maybe to feel important, they had bullet points for every one of their people when doing national interviews. And they had bullet points to say, you know, similar to this: speak highly of the organization, or the football side, or Nick, or Cal, or what the organization. And a lot of times they'd force feed you like, which a lot of guys smartly wouldn't do. You know, encourage people to buy tickets or, you know, you can buy the promotions coming up. No one cares nationally about that. But as it relates to the bullet points for a national show, you, you get bullet points to see, hey, speak highly of your owner, your GM, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I disagree that this is what's going on here. But the, the whole segment was I don't think Nick Casario's hot seat is very hot. So if your theory's right. If the way that I read the situation's right, Nick Casario's hot seat is not hot, regardless of it. Whether it's a PR team, whether it's a marketing right. team, whether it's ownership, say, hey, speak glowingly of Nick. They're not going to do that for a person that they're going to fire in a year. That's why, whether it's Joe's 50 or wherever we sit, and I said 65, wherever he sits currently, as all kumbaya as it is right now, I, I think in week three or four it could change. If the guys he drafted and and, you know, don't uh, don't start panning out. Well, that's and, sports. I mean, everything right, changes it is, in four but I, weeks. And I also think because of the trade he made, if the Browns are having a good year and the Texans aren't, and and, and it looks like the Texans are going to have a top five pick, I mean, I think that's good, that could change everything too. Yeah, of course. I mean, sports are fluid. Things change like that. Things change on a dime. But that's because you're he a sprained didn't have to ankle make that away trade. from not being a championship contender. Yeah, I mean, the, the trade's going to be something that kind of defines Nick in general. But I, I think that the job security of Nick Casario is very, very safe, quite honestly. Whether it's a PR team, whether D'Amico just likes Nick. 713-780-ESPN. Here's another one from D'Amico Ryans on Pat McAfee. Because the theme of this show, and sometimes people hate it, especially the Twitchers, last year was Embrace the Suck, blah, 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 blah. I, I think the 2023 Texans need to be defined more on development of their young players than their win-loss record. Now, I know you don't have your first-round pick, so it kind of throws a wrench into that whole conversation. But I, I felt like D'Amico Ryans was talking to me whenever Pat McAfee asked him, basically, is 2023 about developing your young players? Trying to attack every day, everything every day. Like, we're attacking this to win. I know there are some guys who have to grow and develop, but hey, I – like I told the guys too, that like we're running out of time. Like it's time to go. Like when it's time to go and compete, line up on Sundays. Like we're going to win games. We're not going to develop talent. Like we're going to win games. That's when you talk to guys on our team, like veterans, like Laramie Tunsil, Robert Woods, him, like Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins. They're not trying to <laughs> develop talent. Like we're trying to go win games. That's what the league is about, and that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna put out there a winning mindset in everything that we do. So, D'Amico telling me that I'm an idiot, and it's not about developing players in 2023. It's about going out and getting victories for the Houston Texans. But isn't this kind of like what we talked about with Cully and Lovey? Like, there's no coach that's going to go out there and deliberately or, or, or just have a mindset that we're not out there to win every game. You know, we, we talked about the fact that it was in Embrace the Suck, 
And that, that whole thing that we went through with that, it's in their best interest to lose games and get draft picks. But there's no coach and no player in a professional locker room that's going to adopt that philosophy. They're going to try and win every single game, every time they step on the field, and you wouldn't want anything less. No but matter. There's, there's things you can do, though, that can interfere with that. Like playing Robert Woods over yeah, Tank Dell might give you a better chance to win the first four weeks of the year. But should Robert Woods be getting those reps, or should Tank Dell be getting those reps based on the plight of this organization? Look, you, look, you can look at the quarterback position. Does Davis Mills give this team a better chance to win in the first two games of the year, or does C.J. Stroud? I think it's a fair conversation to have. But there's no way you're starting Davis Mills ahead of C.J. Stroud. You can have this conversation about the running back. Well, not so much the running back position, because Pierce is clear-cut better than Singletary. Um, but you can have it with Juice Scruggs, right? Like, is it better to have Juice Scruggs in the first quarter of the year, or is it better to sign Ben Jones? It's probably better to sign Ben Jones if you're caring about winning more than development. But it's more about the depth chart, the snaps, play counts, than it is about like trying to win a football game. Because if Stroud starts, yeah, you're trying to win. If Tank Dell starts, yeah, you're trying to win. But they might not give you a better chance to win early in the year. Yeah, no, it, it, you're right. It, the fact is, is that they're just more apt to make mistakes while they're getting their feet wet and understanding and getting to the point where you have more hope in them, more belief in them, and a long-term investment in them. So you could still go blatantly, I mean, completely wrong, like we saw in the last game of the year for the Texans, whether you were trying to win it or not. The fact is, this team, the outlook of this team changed the minute that they made that trade. And so otherwise, I, th I think we could have the conversation, and even if they said they were trying to win there would be a clear understanding. You're developing players. You're trying to get better for the long haul. You're trying to get these high draft picks and these guys you brought in acclimated and comfortable so that they can excel for the long haul. But now, even if, even if you think the players and D'Amico, their focus is, but now it, the intensity level of that is ratcheted up. The importance of that is ratcheted up because of the trade. Yeah. Uh, something that D'Amico, we don't have the, there's not a point of playing the sound of this. D'Amico also dropped that Matt Burke was calling place in the first game against the Patriots. I don't know if that's something that will continue. They didn't ask him about that. But I don't know if I like that. Like if D'Amico's like gonna it. if D'Amico's gonna be a first time head coach and D'Amico's is gonna call plays in the regular season, I want the game day operation to be D'Amico's starting to call plays. And maybe like I'm not saying it needs to be every preseason game, but for at least one preseason game, even like a half of a preseason well, game, D'Amico needs to balance the duties of calling plays and being the head coach. He definitely does. And, and, and I think that if this was a veteran coach that said something like this, this would be nothing. Because Vrabel did this the other night. Vrabel said that he was giving over the head coaching responsibilities for the preseason game to his defensive coordinator so he can get experience at being a head coach. I think that if it's a veteran coach that's been in the league and been there and done that, especially if you're a play caller as well as the head coach, then you can do those kind of things. But when you're coaching your first ever game at the helm and fully in charge, I would think that you need to get your feet wet and get comfortable and accustomed to doing, especially in this case, both jobs, calling plays and being the head coach. And maybe you throw, I would hope that changes and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the second and the third game. Because I, maybe if you just say, because it's the first game and we're all just still kind of settling in, I can do this. But... I, I would. It concerns me a little bit. He's not. He's. Yeah, like, he should be doing. He should be calling plays. I don't think it's a ten, right? But I do think that it has some tangible. If it keeps happening, meaning to it, like D'Amico. D'Amico never in his life has been a head coach. D'Amico has never in his life been a head coach and called plays on game day. 
D'Amico, I think before week one against Baltimore, needs to spend at least a half of football being head coach and calling plays. I think bare minimal game. I'm with you too. I'm with you as well. But I'm willing to live with just a half. But is it, should it be more? Yeah, it should be more. But give me at least a half. I don't know if I love that. I'd prefer a game and a half. I mean, Fair. yeah, the I more mean, the better. Yeah, the more the better. The more the better. So I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna push back at that at all. I think the bare the bare absolute bare minimum is half. Like if they go into Week One against Baltimore and D'Amico has not done it, what are you doing? Like you're you're preparing to that, fail. That tells me he's not gonna do it, and you're failing to prepare. Or it's, should he do it? Maybe Week One's a little bit different because like that. I mean, you didn't play. You only played your starters two series. Like if one of these games, whether it's Miami this week or it's the Saints next week. If one of those games is like your dress rehearsal, well, that's the game that D'Amico needs to do Absolutely. it. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line 713-780-3776. Austin says the Texans have transitioned from embrace the suck to embrace the baby steps. I agree. That's a good way to sum it up, Austin. Uh, every Wednesday at 1.30, Why the Face Wednesday, Joe George's favorite segment. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You're going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings, guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the face? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the face? With the Killer Bees. Why the face Wednesday with the Killer Beast? Did you know today's our show anniversary today, Joe George? I don't see a cake. How I know that? Because you haven't been. We've, somebody, not Santa, said it on Twitter, and he listed all our producers as well. He listed Dell. He listed Brendan. Yeah. You're next, Joe. I mean, you're, you're, your life with the Killer Beast is probably not long. How did, long did Brendan last? Brendan? I don't know, a few months. Actually, I think Brendan was longer than Dell. Well, we ran off yeah. Dell quick. Yeah, I think the 40-yard dash is longer than Dell. I, I mean, mean, yeah, he... Brendan was a while. Probably, what, yeah. if we've been together for 24 months, which I can't believe it's been 24 months. I, I, didn't, think we, I didn't think we would last two I to four months. I mean, I, I really had no idea. But Dell was... I mean, Brendan... So 24 months. I would say Brendan's been 18? 20? Because uh, yeah. I've been here for six months. Oh, that long. So let's go 12, 18 months for Brendan. Seven months. Brendan was at least a year. Yeah, maybe maybe like fourteen Wait, months. That'll last like a week. It was not a long, not run. I mean, I was with my last show for three and a half years. So we fired Brendan, but you fired show us. Before this? Yep, oh. he's moving up the alphabet. How long were you with that show? Three and a half. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, happy anniversary, Blankers. I can't believe it's been twenty-four happy months. I thought it'd be two to four months, not twenty-four. Uh, what do we got? Why All right. Face? So we're gonna start here. This is. We got a, we got a bunch of people in this building that they got too much time on their hands. Some of these producers. What do you do at night? Uh, there is a producer fantasy football league that's happening. Thanks for the invite. You're not a producer. You're a talent, as you say. Um, and one man has decided that we're going to do a combine to determine our draft order. <laughs> what? We have to run from the second floor to the fourth floor. This is clearly Andrew. No. We have to what? see who can edit a podcast the fastest. Y'all have 12 producers? Between both sides. Oh, okay. And then we have to see who makes the best promo, and there's one other thing. I'm not doing it. This hat, who's? I'm guessing this was Ron's idea. No, it was Charles. 
Does this mean you, you, if you're not doing it, that you pick last? Dell and I are automatically taking the last two picks in the draft. We, I don't even know if we've told them that. We're going to coin flip for the night. It's ninth. not a terrible thing, though. I like, just I mean, don't you got get, time you get for the that, 11th or 12th yeah. pick, whatever. It's a snake draft, like, I'm assuming. Right. They're all coming up here on, like, Saturday to do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't like this. I'm like, what are we doing, you, guys? It's fantasy football. There should be zero athleticism involved. Well, see, yeah, why does the like, Olympics uh, get in, interjected into fantasy football? Fantasy yeah. means you're not playing and you can't play, so you do this instead. Yeah. I'm fine with, like, a 40-yard dash. No. I don't no, think you like, should be because Jeremy and I might be celebrating our next anniversary with another producer. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I, I think I don't That's like what I'm saying. There should be zero athleticism when it comes to I fantasy agree. sports. I agree. Like, what are we doing here? Like, there's a... And some of it's not athleticism. It's like edit a podcast fast. You could like, do like a you could do like a tournament on like a video game. It's also yeah. unfair. What everybody has to edit the exact same podcast. I would hope because otherwise, who's the great? Otherwise, who's the judge? with the timing and everything, who's yeah. judging that? We're like we'd have like a producer stop watching us. The uh, that's, that's I have seen some creative ways to to uh, do draft order nowadays. Like there's a there, you know you remember whenever you go to carnivals and like you had that one game where you try to shoot the bullseye and like your jockey or your duck would move yeah. and you try to beat everybody right. else. Like there's a computer version of that where they'll like input the names on the ducks and then that determines draft order. I saw one of them where like there's a wrestling game. And they created the wrestlers and put them in a Royal Rumble. That's a great idea. It's a great idea. You just watch it. Yeah, happen. like that's fun. Yeah. But what y'all are doing sounds like work. That's sounds, why, it is work. That's why I'm taking it's the It's ridiculous. Last, that's why like Dell and I are like, do we quit before it starts? There's, or, or, there's or some why creative ways. Or why don't you set ways. parameters to say, okay, that's like when we do all-star voting. Well, here's the thing. That's the fan vote. Then you also have like the players vote, which would mean you guys all go drinking. Dell's going to lose again, but Joe, you got a fighter's chance to win the whole thing. I would win that for sure. There you go. But here's the thing: it's not even like a democracy; it's a dictatorship. One person decided this. No one even agreed to it. Charles. Oh, and he's the commissioner, and he's making that rule. Apparently, you push back. All of a sudden, one day in the group text, it was like, "This is how we're determining the the group the the fantasy order." And my response was. Is there a separate group chat where, like, we voted on this? Yeah, there has to be a vote. <laughs> and let me tell you the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You guys ready for this? Yeah. The winner, it's a money league. The winner has to use some of that money to buy pizza for the producers. So I have to put in my own money to lose my own money. Yeah, I don't like this. I don't thing. know why I'm doing this. I, I, you know Com- what, Joe? Camaraderie. I guess. Workplace culture. What if half the league quits? If I, well, then then the league goes away, and then that's on the commissioner to try and salvage it by doing the right thing. Well, that's why say, we're not having a talent fantasy football league for that very reason. I will tell you, I got I got to stay in the league from the last place I was at. Really? They're keeping me in because I'm the champion. Oh, they're so, saying you can't have a little hit and run. No, they just couldn't get anyone else to replace me, so they let me stay. Uh, Does that say more about them? or How many fantasy leagues you in, Joe? Dude, I'm in six. What a mistake. I'm in 423. As You're of not today. in real fans. Yeah, those aren't. I mean, how many with like they're real money? people? They're, yeah, those are, know every single one of them's real. That you those know are, that are, are your friends. I don't or, know them. No, they're enemies. I'm saying, how they're, many are, are you in with your friends? And um, I mean, friends is a very fine line. Uh, uh, <laughs> how many leagues are you in that you have to set a lineup one, every One, two, week? three, probably four when yeah. it's all said and done. I, I went Maybe down to five. three, and then now I'm back to six. And I'm just like, what am I doing? With I myself? dropped out of a couple a couple of years ago because I was like, I'm just going to do best balls and get rid of these two. But I, I've done 423 best ball leagues. Would you do the best ball leagues? An how, how I'm you, an animal. I'm a I'm a freak. How do you cash those in? There's you not, win. I mean, I'm, I mean, is there? <laughs> your face. Well, no, this you. Is, uh, this is the, it's, the name I mean, of the segment. You know what I? The name of the segment. Right. You know what I related to? I related to a online sit and go poker tournament. 
It's because you enter you enter a room with twelve people. Uh-huh. You're one of those twelve. You go through a draft real quick. Best ball. You're drafted an eighteen round or twenty round draft, depending on the application. And then once it's done, it's over. You have zero roster management, but they give you the best position each week of what you drafted. So like it's an easy bake oven. Like I did a bunch of baseball. But I'm saying ones. when when you is there like top it's, three. I mean, DraftKings is one of the apps I use. I use Underdog. It's, um, you have to win it outright, or is there contests. first, second, third? There's different contests. Like, there's like the sit and goes, I call them, where a 12 team league pays out the top three. But then they also have like massive contests where you qualify to like the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals that have like 100,000 up top. So you just trust so that depends. you're going to get, they're going to tell you at the end of the year where the standings are and if you cash out or not. I mean, you can follow the standings throughout the year. Like, I'm in a bunch of baseball ones that just hit the regular season and now are in the quarterfinals. And I, I mean, some I was of it just hit wondering if it's like a, when you place a bet and you get a ticket. This is more like you do it online, mm-hmm. and then there's like checkpoints that you can check. But if you cash out, they just they let you. I mean, know. it's like I mean, it's like underdog or it's like DraftKings. Like you have you put money in, you enter these contests with that money, you win it, they put it back into your account, and then you can move that money from your account. Back I was just to wondering how you bank. follow it and how you cash. And hopefully, one they, day, they have updated standings. They have live scoreboards. Hopefully one day we can legalize gambling in Texas and you can really use it. Call Mattress Mac. Yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll say no. Uh, last thing I got here. Apparently the whole blindside thing story is Boy, fraudulent. So uh, Michael Orr claims that the Tui family, or however you say it, You're right. actually signed him to a conservatorship, which is not what he thought it was. He thought he was being adopted. Like the Britney Spears thing? Yeah. Where they signed the conservatorship, which means they had full access to control for everything. His money... Everything. What's not clear though is like how long it goes for, but it does seem that like they signed some kind of book deal slash movie deal before it ended, and he got like very little money. Now the Tuies have countered and said that he's trying to extort them for fifteen million dollars. This is getting nasty, and one of the most overrated movies of all time it's, is also. I thought a it was fraud. a good movie, but then right from the get go, and again, it depends on what side you're on because you're hearing both sides constantly that. Evidently, from the time the movie came out, he wasn't behind it. He had issues with it. But because of its overwhelming success at the box office and with the awards, he didn't say too much. Now, the other side of it says he needs the money. He blew all of his NFL money, and that's why he's bringing it up now. It's kind of the read I got. Yeah. Is that what's and, happening? Yeah. That, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just saying there's two sides to it. There's a side that says he's always had an issue with the way the movie portrayed everything as opposed to the way it was. And then there's the other side of it that says he really kind of squandered all of his NFL money. He needs cash, and they have text messages or otherwise that basically told them an ultimatum <laughs> of either you give me $15 million or I'm going public. Huh. Battery Chuck says, can you adopt someone at 18 years old? I wouldn't think you could. Great question. Might dep- Maybe in the SEC state you can. Because someone else said, you know, and I, the Tuies are very well off because he did sideline for the Memphis Grizzlies, I believe. I thought he also owned like 100 Pizza Huts. Yeah, and, he, and he, he's a, he's the a movie big either Ole Miss or something like that, grad, whatever it is, where he's he, he does, I think, their broadcast or something to do with that, too. I didn't know he had anything to do with with radio. Yeah. No, really? TV, sideline, I think. I had no idea. Yeah. but I And he's also still very independently wealthy, but I think that's where someone said, well, he's still, the family still paid for all of his meals and all of his clothes and housed him and did everything like they adopted him, whether they adopted him or not, the entire time, while they didn't know if he was going to be a football player or not. Doesn't that have some 
pull? I I'll don't be, know. I'll be honest with you. I have zero interest in this story. Can y'all just tell me how I need to feel? Like, I, I have zero interest well, in the blind side oh, or really these adopted I parents. I, I don't care. For two days, it's controlled a, a certain corner of the sports world's discussions and, and social media. But I would just like to figure out where the truth lies and who's getting screwed over here because... All we're doing is hearing a different side from someone else every yeah, half a day. I've lost interest. Yeah, in I was story. Like, this will be like the last time like I care or I, talk yeah, about I don't, it. I, I, it was like interest. I saved it for this segment, and now I'm like, all right, we're good. While we're on conservatorships, though, Britney Spears needs to be in one. She's a loony. Team. I, 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 it was a mistake to free Britney. Hashtag free Britney was a mis- hashtag mistake. And how old is she? Like forty something? I don't know, man. She's forty-seven, going on twelve. Yeah, she really. That's how is. she acts? She on. is completely out of control on yeah. social media. She needs. She needs to go back into that conservatorship. I mean, she really does. That was the best thing that's ever happened. Then she ran into the backhand of Wemby's security guy. Let's hashtag lock Britney back up, not hashtag free Britney. You might get canceled for that. Probably. (laughs) They get the Britney OnlyFans on me. Which, by the way, Britney was right in the Wimbenyama thing. She didn't do anything wrong. They need to have, you know what the Rockets need to do? They need to have Britney Spears sing the national anthem. At when the they host the, when they host the Spurs. Oh, if their DJ doesn't the play like "Oops, I Did It Again" yeah. and a bunch of songs Has the first time they play the Spurs, that DJ should be canned. Absolutely, absolutely. Although you know, social media team of the Rockets can't put a gun emoji in a Maverick head. So. That's a different ownership group now. <laughs> That's true. They're not on the board of so PETA. Good. Speaking the of new the new owners, uh, aren't on the board of PETA. Speaking of the uh, the Rockets, four lotto teams that can return to the playoffs. The Rockets aren't one, but are they better than any of the four? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, guys, right now, let's tell you about what we were just talking about. Hey, the fact of the matter is it's football season. Football season is here. That means college football around the corner, NFL preseason right now. It is the best time of the year if you're a sports fan. It's time to get set up on my bookie so you can make all those games a lot more interesting and entertaining and possibly put some money in your pocket. At mybookie.eg, you're going to find so many ways to bet on football against the spread, money lines, totals. And right now, there's future odds on teams to win the Super Bowl. One team we know is 18,000 to 1 to win it all. Want to take a flyer? Check it out. Let's talk bonuses. Go to mybookie.ag and click on bonuses. There are several ways to leverage your deposits for more cash. There's a welcome bonus for new players, a reload bonus for existing customers, a referral bonus if you get your friends to sign up and play too. Hop on mybookie.ag today. Start having fun. You can also bet, as we always know, on baseball on soccer, on golf, and so much more. They got live casino betting as well with real dealers. Check it out. If you have an itch to gamble, this is the place you need to go. MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I always tell you to do it, it's MyBookie.ag. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. J-Bar-M uh, dropped off half-pound brisket burgers to all of us. We are very thankful. They, they knew it was our anniversary, so it's their gift to us. One of the best burgers in the city of Houston, I can attest. I just scarfed that bad boy down. Uh, head in for a barbecue feast Tuesday through Sunday or try the Houston Restaurant Week's dinner and brunch menus now through September 4th. J-Bar-M, Edo, 2201 Leland, your spot to get uh, some good bites, good drinks, great hangout spot too uh, right there in Edo. Full parking lot, which is hard to find in uh, Edo as well. J-Bar-M, top 25 on Texas Monthly's uh, barbecue list, by the way. So it's uh, I-, I love to see them grow because they've been with us for a while. They always bring us food. And it is so good. It is fantastic. Uh, what are the chances the Rockets make the playoffs? Not great. 
Put a number on it. Quarter? 10%? Uh, zero? Um, 31%. Oh, man. You went higher than I thought. I'm going to go, like, not playing. We're talking Say playoffs. Oh, not playing. Go, yeah, because playoffs, I think, like, technically is you're, you win the play-in, you're in. Like, that's not a playoff 25%. game. That doesn't go to their playoff numbers. Okay, I was going to go around 20, so we're not too far off. I think Joe George is occupied. I'm right around there. Around 20, 25%. 713-780-3776. of chance the, the Rockets make the playoffs. NBA.com. We're still I mean, look, we're right around the corner for preseason basketball getting getting started. Not that far away. They listed four teams that missed the playoffs but could return in 2024. Are the Rockets better? The Rockets aren't on this list. Full transparency there. But are the Rockets better than any of these teams? Dallas, Houston. I mean, Dallas has Luka. Yeah, they have Kyrie. Kyrie. And, yeah, and Luka, so no. Yeah, I think Dallas Dallas had a disappointing year. And then they, they made the weird trades, and then they're, like, tanking late in the year for, like, the zero 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 one percent chance at Victor Wimbanyama. They had a weird year. They're trying to, like, uh, press reset while still bringing back the two guys that maybe needed to be reset, which was Luka and Kyrie. But all of their role players and bench players, they're trying to redo. They're trying to create cap space. They're trying to get more guys that are conducive to the team they're building now. Because Cuban is trying to make excuses and find ways that he can possibly make this thing work with two guys that don't seem to like each other a whole lot and Luca and Kyrie, but there's just yeah. too much talent there. I don't know if I buy that, that they don't like each other. I feel like Luca would have put his foot down and not had Kyrie back there if they really don't get along. But there's talent. Like That's a really talented backcourt. Maybe one of the better backcourts in the NBA on paper. So I can't go Rockets over the Mavs. How about the New Orleans Pelicans? No, because if healthy, the Pelicans are a really talented team. The, the Pelicans have, across the board, a, a, a lot of above-average talent for their starting lineup. I mean, if, and the biggest if is the biggest guy is Zion. If Zion's healthy, that's a totally different team. But with Ingram, C.J. McCollum, some of the young guys they drafted, they've got a really good young squad that I think is a, a half-step to a step above where the Rockets currently are. The if-healthy part is what... I hesitate when it comes to the Pelicans. Zion doesn't stay healthy. Zion's been injured most of his NBA career. So this is one where I could see the Rockets being better than the Pelicans. But if Zion's healthy, I think that that team's pretty pretty but good. I don't think that the Rockets currently, where they're, they well, I'm are in their career. I'm expecting progression, but especially I, with the I don't Luka. think they have um, uh, an equal to Ingram and McCollum. Ingram's solid. Ingram's really good. McCollum... I mean, he can score. I'm not. I'm not crazy about McCollum. I think he's a good player, not a great player. Now Ingram, I'm pretty bullish on. I think Ingram's like you know legitimate all star. But I think the Rockets have like if if all things go well and Zion's hurt, I think the Rockets have a more complete team. Like everybody have the roles, they have the pieces. Like outside of McCollum and and you know Zion's hurt, you have Ingram. Like what do you have after that? You have like Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jonas. Like eh, whatever. That's kind of mediocre. I think they're. I think they're. Their supporting cast has their roles defined, and they've established themselves a little bit more in the league. Yeah. So I think the Rockets definitely could surpass them in the long haul. But I think in the short term, I think New Orleans, like I said, is still a half step or, or a little bit more above them. One more Western Conference team before we move over to the East, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, I mean, I think they got a really nice mix right now. They've got a budding superstar type player in Gilgis Alexander. They got Giddy. Uh, they drafted well. They got three guys with the same name that can all fill a role. Um, they they've got a lot of talent. They are more like a quarter step above where the Rockets are. But I think that for the time being, and, and we don't even know what Chet's going to be because they played without Chet all of last year, and now 
when you look at all early indications of what Chet's doing in the offseason and how he's developed, Chet looks like he can play. So they're going to add Chet to the mix with all the guys they currently have. So they're a little above the Rockets still, I think, as the two teams progress. They signed that EuroLeague MVP. I don't know how to say his name. or I don't remember his name. And then they drafted, was it Cason Wallace, I think? Who do you who, who do you they think they got like a third of the draft picks over the next three years? True. Chet Holmgren to me is the biggest wild card for Oklahoma City. Like he takes them to a different height if he's good. And I think he's gonna be good. Now, I don't know if his body's gonna be able to sustain the NBA season more he times and than not. have the same frame and yeah. trying to play the same game. Now, I, Kevin Durant had that same frame, too, but he's also been injury-prone in his career. I, I almost think that they're just a little bit longer with their limbs and things. They are longer. And, and a little skinnier. Yeah, so, but is that is that because they're young? Maybe. Like, Kevin Durant was pretty darn skinny but, in Texas. But these guys are over seven foot by a couple of inches, and I think that when you look at them, they look a lot more frail than Kevin Durant. And when Kevin Durant... Came in, obviously, the, the story was he couldn't bench press 185 pounds one time and he got killed for it, <laughs> but he could put a basketball in the hoop. I think Chet's a little bit more athletically developed right now than Wemby, but I, would agree. I, I think both of them are going to be fun I mean, fun to watch, but also critically watching their health because I think they both have frames right now that are fragile. Who do you think is the, the biggest upside rocket? Upside? Well, I mean, look, Alpi had 30, 35 and 5, I think it was last night. Alpi looks like it's as much as every world country, but but everybody looking at everybody else forgets that sometimes you don't have to be on Sports Center every night to possibly the, be the best player. I think Alpi's in the discussion. Every, I still think if there's one guy, it's Green. See, I have Alpi as my fourth high potential guy. I have him behind Amen. I have him behind Jalen, and I have him behind Jabari. And that that's where I was going to go. I think Green is the number one still, just based on talent alone. I think Amen. You still got to see him mature and, and fill into his body and grow, but I think all the skill is there, all the all the skill sets are there. And Jabari, um, I think he's—I don't think he has the higher higher ceiling of the two, higher a higher ceiling or as high a ceiling as the other two. But I think he could be a really really solid NBA player. Oklahoma City, who has the highest potential player? I, I would go between Giddy and Chet. I'd probably go Chet. I'd probably go Chet. A little bit higher Giddy's than Giddy. Really, really good, and I think extremely underrated. But Giddy's ceiling isn't as high as Chet's. Chet, Giddy. Let's just take the top two, top three: Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm only potentials, saying, and then the Rockets top two or three. But I'm not putting Gilgis Alexander in there because he's already established. That was. I still think there's a lot to go for him. Fred Van so, also really established. Good. No, yeah. but like yeah. Shea Gilgis Alexander, if those, if Chet and Giddy elevate their game, mm-hmm. Shea feels like he can take his level to See, another. To Jeremy's that's point, that's fair. To Jeremy's point. I think Fred Van Vliet may have already gotten to his ceiling. We don't know what oh, the I ceiling so. is. What? I think so. Yeah, but we don't know what the ceiling is for Gilgis Alexander, Chet, or Giddy. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet's at his ceiling. Yeah. And Dylan Brooks at his ceiling. Now, the, the players that you're looking for growth are the, the four we talked about. A man, obviously, he's a rookie. Uh, Jalen going into year three, Jabari going into year two, and then Alpi. Like, those are the players where. Like, Fred Van Vliet, you know what you're going to get. Dylan Brooks, you know what you're going to get. They, they bring the baseline and the floor of the Rockets up quite a bit. They bring the, the floor of the Rockets up considerably, especially with Ime Adoka. Now, the ceiling is going to be defined by the young players. It's going to be defined by Alpi, Jabari, Jalen, Amen. If they can hit that ceiling while you still have Van Vliet, while you still have Brooks, Tari Eason, I think, can be a really nice role player, too. That's For what's sure. going to elevate the ceiling. 
Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks are the floor of the Rockets, and then the young players are the Cam ceiling. Either. Cam can play. I forgot about Cam. Yeah. I, I did. I did disrespect Cam. I, wonder, just now. I was, was right. going to ask if there was an argument to put Cam in terms of like potential and what their ceiling could be ahead of Alpi at his age. Uh, I think. I think he's in the mix at the exact same level. I yeah, think you I don't think so know too. because of the reasons why or why not when he slid. But I think Cam and Alpi, along with Tari Eason, guys like that in that really still younger, really young stage of their life and career, who knows what they can be? That's a great thing to have guys that have the potential breakout as well as just could fill a role as a, as a role player. So top three Thunder, top three Rockets, potential only. Which three which three should you taken? I prefer – I will say I prefer the Rockets because my number one is a man. I think that with the yeah. way he gets to the hoop, if he can fix his jump shot, everything he can do athletically. Massive if. He can be – even it if he is. can make his jump shot like better than whatever Russell Westbrook's ever was, Rajon Rondo, yeah, like, great, like yeah, but more nice. athletic and and like somewhere like a Rondo D Rose mix would be awesome. So I have him one, Jabari two, and then Jalen three. So like I think those three over what Oklahoma City has. What well, I, over what Oklahoma City has? I'm not a check guy. I think he's gonna flop. What I like about the Rockets trio though is that I think that they all complement each other quite a bit. Like, there's not three shooting guards that are going to lead the league in scoring. Like, a man's going to be a pass-first point guard, play really good defense, attack the rim. Jalen Green's like your scoring guard, and then Jabari's going to be a guy who you're hoping is a double-double like machine. He's a, You're hoping he averages 18 and 12. He can knock down the three. So, like, the Rockets threesome, I think, complement each other very nicely. And then throw Alpi in there, too, because I think he's a different big man than Jabari is. I would say... Overall, talent-wise, with the highest ceiling, it's Houston. The one thing that we don't know about any of the Houston players we know about OKC is that one of them is an established all-star type, superstar type player. We don't know, and that's one of the big questions. Will Green ever be that guy? Will one of these guys or more ever be that guy? At least in Oklahoma City, you know one guy can be that guy. You don't know if anybody else can or not. But I think overall, talent-wise, it's Houston. I think because you have an established superstar with Oklahoma City, that means something, too. Ocho says uh, Rondo's mechanics didn't need total reconstruction. No, Amin does. Amin does need total yeah, reconstruction. I always go to Jason Kidd and Gary Payton as guys that came into the league without a jump shot, and they developed one, so it is possible. Yeah, it's possible. Or it could be Ben Simmons. Seven one three. But Ball did it, too. The oldest yeah. Ball brother did it. Yeah, he wasn't. He got to him. He was okay. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We We think Altuve is going to be back. It doesn't look like he's going to miss a whole lot of time. But if he missed a little bit, if he missed three, five, seven, ten games, who's the leadoff hitter for this team if Altuve has to miss a period of time? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.